with so many podcasts out there, shows can get lost in the shuffle. That's why we implore you to check out Too Many Captains. You can find us at a moviepodcast.com. Five unique takes on Hollywood movies and culture. Find us on Twitter at It's a Film Podcast. Check our intellectual deep dives into theatrical films. Find us on Instagram at Too Many Captains Productions. Unique takes on soundtracks. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Too Many Captains Productions. Find us at a moviepodcast.com on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. And now, here comes a new episode of Collateral Cinema. I'm Bo Maddox. I'm Ashley Chancellor. And I'm Abigail Reeves. And this is Collateral Cinema. Welcome to Collateral Cinema, the only movie podcast that matters, where we focus on good movies, bad movies, and everything else in between in the world of cinema. We are podcasting straight from somewhere in South Texas, and yes, my friends, we are a 420-friendly podcast. So whatever you have, be it bongs, be it blunts, be it joints, smoke it if you've got it, my friends. Exactly. Smoke everything up because we're going into outer space in this one again, right? Yeah. We're boldly going where no one has gone before. Except for everyone. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And for folks unfamiliar with this new voice, because it's never been on the podcast before, this is Abigail Reeves, personal friend of the podcast. Hi. How are you doing, Abby? I'm all right. You know. Right on. Right on. Living it up. Star Trek. Star Trek, yeah, you're kind of a little bit of a Star Trek geek. Yeah, right? She's a I, Trekkie. I, I love them so much. Yeah. Always have. I think that's one of the things that, like, you know, we bonded over originally as friends. Honestly, that was probably because nobody likes Trek. Every time I talk about it, people are like, shut the fuck up. But then it's you were just like, no, I love it. That's great because that doesn't happen out here, especially. No, especially not out here. <laughs> <laughs> As I've stated before, and this is how I'm going to preface everything here, as I stated on the Fanboys and on the Star Wars Return of Skywalker episode, Uh I'm neither really a huge Star Wars fan or a huge Star Trek fan. I think they're both just fine. They're pretty much on equal footing. And these three movies, these reboots, originally done by J.J. Abrams, Mm -hmm. They're really entertaining movies. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I mean, and they do evoke a lot of what makes Shrek really awesome. Yeah, I don't know. Star Wars always made me, like, fall asleep. I was just bored. But I never really gave it a chance, I don't think. I was really little at the time. I don't know why I resonated with, like, the old school 80s Shrek with Shatner in it, you know. But it would come on late at night on, you know, regular channels. And I'd watch Ricky Lake and, and you know, Jenny Craig and shit. Oh, you mean and Jenny Jones? Jenny, Jenny Craig. <laughs> yeah. Jenny Jones, oh, yeah. yeah. I watched oh, that man. shit. I watched that shit as I well. I knew. I was like, I felt like a bad kid at that point. It'd be like one in the morning. I'm like, oh, I'm watching Jenny Craig, you know, Jenny, Jenny Jones. <laughs> 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 what the hell? And, you know, then that would come on and I'd watch that till like the wee hours of the morning. And I was just obsessed with it. I don't even know why. Because I don't even like it now. I don't like that series really now. But Yeah. See, my generation was the next generation. That's yeah, that when, was when that's that my favorite. Out. Yeah. Okay, no, the original series is and always will be my favorite. And, and, and the reasoning for that <sighs> is that it, it's what I grew up with as well. My family, we rented a lot of the next generation and the original series episodes from Hollywood Video. I don't even, um, I don't know where I even like... Got to subject myself to the other stuff. And I don't even know why the original, like, I must have loved something about it then because, like, I loved it. I can't remember what I liked about it at all, but I I ended up watching every series within, like, back-to-back just all at once. So it was just, like, kind of 
I don't know. I fell in love with the whole thing all at once, so it was just... I had an obsession on Trek for a time, and, and, and I even did Spock for Halloween one year. Oh, oh that's what? nice. Yeah, Spock. Well, Spock can, was the character I identified with. Can I get like a picture him, of that? I will so fucking tweet. How I can did probably that even find work? it. You 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 need to tweet that shit. Honestly, you are not like the stat. Nothing about you is Spock. Like you're the stature, everything. How did? Well, how, how, how old were, were you? you? Yeah, how old were you when you did this? A, a child. Okay, that okay, makes sense. Then. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Makes sense. I'm imagining you like. As I am now. Like, like a Thor Spock. You know? Yeah, I didn't have long hair and I definitely didn't have a beard. And you just got, you blew up, man. You got all thick and wall, wall, woke. All swall. You're all woke, <laughs> woke up. Woke up? What? Woke up. Bulked up. But I'm fucking woked. Anyway, so Star Trek was was something that's been fun, was fundamental to my childhood. Always loved the originals. I love the Next Generation as well. Hadn't really watched any of the other two except after you had oh. recommended DS Nine to me. Oh. I started it, but um, that is some man. I don't know what it is about Deep Space Nine. It just hits. It like reminds me of like uh, our community a little bit for some reason. Like I don't know. I think that series had the best cast interaction. They were truly like a family. I mean, yeah. the way they interacted was so authentic. And I just always liked how they always worked shit through. Like if they had an issue or if they were doing anything, they would go through every step right in front of you. Yeah. But it, they would compact yeah. it in a way where they could supply you with so much information in an hour. What I liked about Deep Space Nine is that it was far more of a political series than Next mm. Generation or even yeah. what yeah, came after it, like, like Voyager. I mean, the politics behind it, it's really just about the little bureaucratic the way you know, they interact. pieces of bullshit that, you know, makes this star base yeah. actually work. And we had know? never seen that. We had never seen, like, the inner workings of the, like, the relationships and how the different races interacted. Yeah. Not to mention how actual economies work yeah. within the Star Trek universe. Like, I yeah. mean, look at the Ferengi. Like, Quark. Man, he ended up being one of my favorite characters. I don't know if y'all are familiar. I'm very familiar I, with oh, the I character. Love, I love yeah. Quark. You know, and Frankies are just the ultimate, like, human metaphor to the extreme, you know? Uh -huh. I think. Where, you know, the, just the way they do shit is fucking... Just like human beings, but, like, at the extreme level. It's pretty much a metaphor for capitalism. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Up. Yeah, the original series always resonated with me, I guess, because it's the one that I've seen the most. And I really identified with the character of Spock being a young autistic child who, who didn't understand emotions and only appreciated logic and uh, was he presented as that yeah yeah really? even in the original spock has always been presented that way that's interesting i didn't know that it makes a lot of sense when you really kind of look at his mannerisms and how he actually interacts with his fellow crewmates that's really true they touch on it in even the early episodes because i i've as actually started Rewatching some of the originals on Netflix. And, you know, it, it's a definitely a product of the 60s. Don't get me wrong. But Star Trek was at the forefront of progressivism. And, and oh, the, yeah. The definitely. characters were just the writing so is so insanely and in, it's impeccable. Like, it's so complex. It's not I don't even know how they come up with half of it. And that's not to mention all the technology that it's inspired in the last 40 or 50 years. Alone. Yeah. It blows my mind that someone came up with all of that. Like that whole world, the lore is so deep. Gene it's fucking unreal. Roddenberry. Gene Roddenberry. May exactly. he rest in peace. Golly. His, his ashes are floating through space, I oh believe. Oh my God. That's badass. That makes me yeah. cry. I want to do that. Can I have my ashes? Blown in space? I Probably think not. If I dung, die young, y'all make it happen. Die. I think so, actually. It's just cost and armor Yeah, cost efficient. You know? Oh, yeah, it probably would be pretty expensive. It's like buying a star. Yeah. You know how cheap it must be now to buy a freaking star? Well, that's, I don't know. That's <laughs> kind of a scam. You remember how that, much that, of a big deal it was when we were kids? That's People were like, such you can an buy abstract... someone a star and name it after them? It's such an abstract thing that, honestly, that's I kind of so see weird, it as a, man. As a scam. You know? I know, it's so strange. Yeah. You get like a paperwork on it and everything. It's like, I got this, this yeah. paperwork on a star. But but anyway, go, going back to this movie, Star Trek Beyond. Ash, why did you choose the third movie in this trilogy? Because this is a series of three movies that came out uh, starting in the 2010s, right? 
Right. Well, starting in 2009 with, with oh. Star Trek. Oh, okay. I picked this movie. Well, I wanted to pick one of the reboots because last season we did Star Trek The Voyage Home, which is my favorite of the original movies. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's so campy and fun. I and love it. The humor in it is just incredible. And, and Beyond was the one I think that just reminded me most of that. So the first two movies directed by J.J. Abrams are great. I love them. I, I love what they did with the characters. I love the idea of an in-universe reboot that's still canon. They just use time travel to create an alternate reality. And we even have Leonard Nimoy popping in and out and, you know, it's helping so creative. establish the canon. So Beyond for me is the one that, and, and recently when I rewatched the trilogy, it really reaffirmed it for me. But Beyond feels the most like original series episodic track. Out of the three Kelvin Universe movies. That was what was most remarkable to me about this one is really it's because by this point, not only do you have Simon Pegg writing, which is, yeah. you know, of course, he's going to deliver a good script. Well, yeah. He, he's, he he's, knows the inner working, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he knows the inner working. He knows exactly how it's supposed to be laid out. Simon Pegg is a, is a lifelong Trekkie, and, and I think him co-writing the movie is, is really where the genius shines because I don't know that anybody expected Justin Lin to... Because, I mean, we're, we're talking about a Fast and Furious director. I think a lot of people were anxious, actually, about, you know, especially yeah. after seeing, like, the trailers and everything for this movie, which made it almost seem like we're going to go that route. But no, this movie feels the most Trek out of out of the oh, three reboots. Thank goodness. And and I, I credit that to Simon Pegg, mainly. Well, you know what you need in order to stand up against aliens? Family. family. You need family. You need family. Family. Fucking family. Yeah, free health care. Free health care, exactly. <laughs> and a and, uh, socialist future where and people don't exchange currency. Exactly. Freaking, I want a god dang, what is it called? Uh, I want food the, replicators. Yeah. I want food replicators. But the the hologram place. Oh, the transporter? Yeah. No. The holodeck. The oh, holodeck. the holodeck. Thank You're talking you. about the holodeck. Okay. God, that's, that's I, I can't actually... stand weed. I can't remember anything. <laughs> okay. The holodeck. The holodeck is badass. It's dangerous. That is a dangerous machine. I remember in The Next Generation when they were playing uh, Sherlock Holmes and Watson. It, it was so crazy because we had Picard as, uh, yeah. as Holmes and then you had mm -hmm. uh, Data as Watson. That was tight. Yeah, speaking of another great character, fucking Data. 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 Spiner. Oh, okay. Spiner. Data's my favorite Next Generation Data character. Is the Hell best. Yeah. For the same reasons I identify and love with Spock, I, I identify and, and love Data. I love Data so much. It's not even... I mean, but I love them all almost. Well, obviously, Judd Zia from Deep Space Nine is one of my favorites, but... Um, I know. Yeah. I just... I, I used to like Beta Zeds a lot, and I liked uh, Counselor Troy a lot, but then she... I just got so bored with her and the whole Beta Zed just, like, thing. And yeah. So, and then I was introduced to Trills on Deep Space Nine. I had never seen a Trill, so... That was it for me. I mean, the trill she was so hot, too. Species. And yeah. she ends up with Worf and then dies. What the fuck? Oh, fuck. Spoilers. Spoilers. Like, come Ooh. on, man. They, like, come on. <laughs> come what a cool on. couple. And then, they, like, three days later, she just is like, boop. And Damn they it. stick her in a new character. And late series new characters, I don't like that. No. Never, never a good addition. No. Never a good it, sign. Especially either. when it's your favorite character. I know. That pissed me off. But yeah, I, I love I love the characters of Star Trek. I always have, and, and the original series cast for me, the, the that crew, it's it just iconic. I mean, you've got Kirk and Spock and Bones and Uhura and Sulu and Scotty and Chekhov, and I love the way that the new actors in in, in the Kelvin Universe films portrayed these characters. I feel like they retained. You know, just the essences of each character. Thank goodness, too. They could have destroyed. And imagine if they had done it injustice or bad. Yeah. It's so easy to do these days, but it came out perfect. I mean, the best it could have, I think. And like I was saying earlier in this particular movie, this is where the characters really start to kind of, you know, become a little more cohesive. Like, as a whole and as individual characters. Like, I mean, Kirk is now starting to get weary of his time in Starfleet. Yeah. You know, his five-year mission is starting to wear down on him. And they start right three years into their five-year mission, which is as far as the original series had ever gone. So yeah. I guess they're sort of catching us up to speed. But, you know, you're right. You have... 
you know, Kirk, who's dealing with, you know, there's that question of purpose and, and what he wants to do. And, and which is interesting because it references, you know, the older films where, you know, he, he did eventually accept a position of Admiral and then went back down to Captain because that's what he loved. And that's the same character arc he goes through here. And at the same time, we've got Spock who's questioning, you know, since the death uh, of Ambassador Spock, mm-hmm. because yeah. Leonard Nimoy unfortunately had passed away around this time. And so they wrote the character out and. Oh, and God, see, the world has it, never it, been the same since he It left. just goes to show how much you can accomplish with film if you have a rich, I mean, even just slight details within, like, adjectives, like, rich text with, like, uh, scripting. It makes so much difference to have just those few details that make it that much more complex and personal. It just yeah. broadens the whole the whole story. And when you really think about it from a writing perspective... Having Leonard Nimoy come back as a different version of Spock, it's kind of a way to insulate these movies from any type of real outrage over, you know, just in case maybe the character was not done justice exactly. by... Exactly. Yeah. They pay attention. Actor. Yeah. And that was really a way to kind of connect the two and, as you said, you know, can basically allow both canons to exist. Right. And, and, and establish that for the audience, you know, yeah. with each film. But I, I enjoy not only bringing in Leonard Nimoy, of course, but how well the new cast members portrayed their characters. I mean, Carl Urban just is just a spot-on impression of Bones. I mean, I, I don't know if anyone could have done a better job of, of emulating DeForest Kelly's... McAvoy. Yeah. McAvoy I'm would so have done it. I'm so proud of all, everybody. I really am. Um, I'm so happy that it turned out how it did. Exactly. Yeah, like, it's insane how good everyone is, truthfully. Zachary Quinto as Spock, who manages oh, to man. nail down the essences of him being a logical, logically <laughs> <laughs> minded person who's still overrun by his emotions because uh. of his half human side. And and Simon Pegg does a great job as Scotty. I mean, I just oh, yeah. he's on the screen and I, I see and I hear Scotty. Yeah, that's just inspired casting right there. I mean, Simon yeah. Pegg, he's just perfect for that role. Like and, and even Anton Yelchin, God rest his soul, that's so tragic. But I know. Even even Anton Yelchin's, you know, just performance of a young, you know, giddy Chekhov character. Yes. Yeah, he is such a joy to watch. Eager to impress, movie. you know. And, yeah. And yeah. And and oh, he's, I, just, he's perfect. I even like Chris Pine's Kirk. I, this might be controversial to say, but I might like him a little bit better than Shatner Kirk. Shatner is just I can't. <laughs> he won't do podcasts for some reason. I can't. I, I don't know him. why. Oh, fuck Shatner as a person, but I, I love his, I love him as I know. Kirk. When I didn't know who he was, it was fine, but yeah. now I, I love his character as Kirk, though, and he is the original, and I and I can watch that. But he Chris Pine sucks. does a good job of he he has he was always melodramatic because of his theater background. Yeah. But Chris Pine does a good job, of, I think, of modernizing the character, so we don't have as many of those eccentricities. Yeah. And and I think they still establish Kirk as you know like a womanizer, casual guy, loves to to have adventure, but he's also more sympathetic and a little less sixties. Yeah, yeah. And a great thing that they did here was they decided not to make him an Uhura. A thing. Oh, thank a thing. goodness on that. Yeah, Spock and Uhura. That was That's inspired. A good. I like that good pairing call. a lot. Good call. It makes on a that. lot of sense. They're sexy as hell. Yes. And Zoe uh, Saldana. Know, yeah. I would marry them both in a heartbeat, and that's how progressive they are. Like almost all of them, pretty much have like three people marriages and stuff half the time. Oh yeah. Which was so cool to see. You know, I mean, just the constant progressive concepts were very refreshing. I have to say, you know, uh, just growing up through my teenage years and what have you, like mm-hmm. there was constant concepts that I was just like, this is so like progressive in a way that, you know, it resonated with me like deeper than anything. I don't know why, but Star Trek was just like, I was watching it pretty much every year of my life for 10 years. Yeah. Wow. We we watched a shit ton as a kid and and it was really great kind of, you know, seeing these characters come on screen and and I, I personally I, I really enjoy the reboot films. I think that they did a great job of taking the charm and, and even the campiness at times of Star Trek, the essence of the original series, but modernizing it, making it more palatable for a modern audience. That's why I'm worried about the new series beyond Dis- Discovery. 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 That uh, from what it I've felt seen, like it was straying good. way too far away from what Star Trek is. Yeah. And it was heading towards just CG, like how 
like creative and crazy could they get with the characters, which was cool and exciting to see, you know, these characters that were in like paper mache and shit back in the day. Now with full CGI where they can make pretty much anything. That's so exciting. You know, I wanted yeah. to see, you know, all the different aliens in yeah. that way. But yeah. then it just got kind of to where it's like we're straying too far away from the essence of what Star Trek is, and it's just becoming a, like a boat show of who looks the coolest or the most, you yeah. know. Well, what do you think about the alien designs in these movies from your I like this as, you know, opposed to a happy medium between the two. Yeah. I, I think this is right on the cusp of being, you know, just almost too far. But it's a very, like, it's correct for the time, you know? Yeah. we. we we really couldn't have gone anywhere else but here. This is about as far as I think it should go. You know, I don't, I, I mean, but it is interesting to see Discovery. And I, I really only saw maybe two episodes, which I want to see more. But I just am scared it's going to disappoint me so much that I'm just going to be, you know. From what yeah. I've seen, the writing the is, feeling is really my good. My parents uh, have been watching it and I've been kind of tuning in and out. And every time I, I an can't. episode comes on. The writing is really, really good. And I don't like the chick from Orange is the New Black as the main chick. Uh, Laura Propon? I, I, yeah, I don't. I just can't. It's just because I've seen that show before, the Orange is New. So now I just can't even relate it to just a Star Trek show. You know, and it, I never had that aspect before. Whereas before, the characters were the characters. I had never seen them in anything else, you know. And for some reason, that really screwed me up on it. And just the Klingons were crazy, like scary crazy, which yeah. is, you yeah. know, was really interesting. But it just seemed like they were just trying to put something that was like Star Trek together. You know, it wasn't Star Trek, you know, it yeah. was like it was like something trying to be Star Trek, but it, like advanced. And it just didn't work for me. I don't know. I I need to see more, obviously, but. I don't know. It just freaked I, me out. I'd like to get caught up, but it, it was nice to to watch these three movies recently and and, and kind of reintroduce me, myself to this world because I saw this originally in theaters in 2016 mm -hmm. and uh, until just now for the podcast, I think this is the first time I've rewatched it. That's a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. It's so I, wow. I was a little bit fuzzy, but I, I I knew I wanted to do this one. I knew I liked the feel of it, and and, and like I said before, I think Simon Pegg as a, a Trekkie, really does bring a lot of that love into the film. I mean, there's countless references and parallels to the original series, the original series films. They were films. trying really hard. I mean, yeah, yeah. So, like, spoiler here, near the end of the movie where Spock takes out Ambassador Spock's uh, little picture uh, of the original cast, cast yeah. like, that was a beautiful moment right there Heart. to see everybody there, like Michelle Nichols, oh, Leonard man. Nimoy, Shatner... Fucking it's DeForest, so, Kelly, all of them. Yeah. It's so weird how deep-rooted it gets in some people, you know? Because for me, I, I feel it. And I meet people who have the same thing where they're like, I love this shit. And it's like, you know, I don't know what causes that, but it, I guess it's the writing. They're such thoughtful writers, and they really, truly know how to cultivate a universe that you want to be a part of and that you can't, almost you can't not be a part of. You know, to miss it would be like a tragedy. Yeah, 100 percent. And, you know, some of the other references throughout are like the uh, the drinking scene with Kirk and Bones drinking, you know, and they're even discussing, you know, what kind of alcohol they think that that uh, Chekhov would like, which would be <laughs> vodka, but it's actually scotch. And McCoy's pouring Kirk a drink. You know, and, and talking about his upcoming birthday, which is a direct callback to, I think, Wrath of Khan. How do you come yeah. up with this stuff? I don't get it. <laughs> How they write this such specific... I mean, even when they would have an issue back in, like, The Next Generation, the, yeah. one of the things I appreciated would be, like, if they had a problem, they would sit for a good 20 minutes and talk it out in real time on the episode. And it was just like, oh, my God. Like, they... The way they would just write, it was like yeah. they had gone through these experiences and it was just so authentic. It's not even funny. It's really weird to me. I can't fathom how they managed to cultivate that rich of a universe. It is incredible how many writers over the years with Star Trek have, have cultivated the that. The amount of detail is yeah. insane. And there's there's so many details in here. I mean, and, and little callbacks like Kirk in the beginning being like, "Oh, my shirt's torn again." <laughs> I know? mean, they had a lot yeah. to work with, though. 
the reservoir for like callbacks was probably I mean, there's so many things they could reference. Yeah. Because there's so they produce so much Star Trek content, which I'm so grateful for that they went so hard on that shit. Because they produce so many series and so many like they were pumping it out always. And like people were not a big fan, you know, like there was not a whole lot of people that supported them. So like I'm proud of them for continuing like to pump out so much badass shit. And they never failed, you know? Like, I think they're the most impressive series, like, as a collection in general. One of the top three. At the very least. For sure. It's impeccable. I mean, with these three movies, though, I mean, you get that J.J. Abrams Mm -hmm. quality to it, which, you know, of course, for one, that means lots and lots of lens flare. Lots of lens flare. Lens flare everywhere. Which which they can afford to do in this. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of a little bit of a motif with him. But also lots of really, really cool shots. Lots yeah. of them, You know, yeah. like, like these wide pan shots. and Really cool and, designs. And the way with modern technology we can show the Enterprise going through space. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's something that in the originals was hard to do, and, exactly. and we love it for that campy quality. And, and this movie takes what was what was campy. I mean, you've got the original sounds mm-hmm. playing through. Even the yeah. effects are inspired by the original effects, but they also feel like they're taking themselves a little seriously. But this movie, in terms of the writing, I think what I like about it is that they tone down the seriousness a bit. I mean, let's go back to the moment where they literally destroy an entire swarm of drones by playing sabotage by the Beastie Boys. And they have this whole long winded <laughs> yeah, explanation as amazing. to how that works. And it's so cheesy. And that's just very Trek to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's almost like they were trying to ease us into the new, like, because they know how important it is and how sensitive we are to it, that it's like they're they're trying really hard to like be like we're gonna make things really crazy detailed and CGI and you you're excited about it because you've been waiting on it, but yeah. it's gonna be overwhelming. <laughs> so you know this was probably as far as I feel like they should have gone or could have gone with it without it becoming just not familiar, you know. The, yeah. Because this was even pushing it for me where it was almost like I was still lacking that that feeling but it's also exciting because it is really uh progressed in the the animated or like the cgi and what have you and that's been something we've all been waiting for subconsciously you know yeah Yeah. what i liked about the sabotage scene though was (laughs) it kind of shows the star trek propensity for applying a very simple solution to a complex problem. Yes. Like, it ends up being a goddamn radio broadcast of an old-school Beastie Boys song. And it goes back to something that used to be posted up on the bulletin boards. You know, this may be apocryphal, but... At NASA, it says something to the effect of never apply a Star Trek solution to a Babylon 5 problem. Okay. Because Babylon 5 was known for having very, very complex scenarios with very, very complex responses and solutions to those scenarios. Right. And this kind of brings that up a little bit. It's very, very simple. It's kind of like in Futurama they joked about that, you know? Yeah. A little bit. And and, and it's self-aware, I think. You know, I, I think it's all very tongue in cheek. And and there's even those little just just like 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 early on in the film, you know, when Kirk is like life feels episodic. Yeah, that's a really, really <laughs> good. Insane. Under I would be so story. proud of myself every day if I it was even kind of a part of like creating all this. I'd be like, man, I'm so cool. Like, <laughs> yeah. like they did so good the whole time. Like I've I've really never been that disappointed with anything. But especially with these three new, like, again, they followed a good progression. It, you know, it was a lot, but ultimately for the time, especially if it was 2016, then we, you know, we were ready for this anyway. But I don't know. I feel like they just should have kept it like this level and not gone to discovery level. But that's, I don't know what the movies are going to be like now. I don't. It is a good, it is a good. I'm kind of nervous to see what they're going to end up doing. And when is it just going to stop? I hope it never does. Please, no. Please, oh, I will freak out. Let, let there always be track. I mean, always. I'm just always happy that there's going to be more track. They should just keep going with it for ever. <laughs> what, what did you guys think about the, the newer characters in this movie? Like uh, Jayla. Oh, Jayla's the breakout character for me in this movie. Like, she's really, really badass. I mean, she's very, very adept at engineering. She's already figured out how to 
kind of, at least in a rudimentary sense, run the USS Franklin. She's a bad bitch. She really is, and she's like, listening to fucking Public Enemy. I'd be like, you need to be my friend and teach me everything. Yeah. She is cool, and she she's has so hot. interesting dynamic with Scotty, or, or who she calls Montgomery Scotty, throughout the movie. She um, kind of reminds me of myself. Like She does, right? I yeah. remember what I was thinking. Just a little wee bit. Yeah. She's kind of yeah. like, what the fuck's going on? Like, you know, I'm doing my shit, which I appreciate that all day. Mr. Sula, you can fly this thing, right? You kidding me, sir? This Friday. Let's hope this doesn't get messy. What is this? I know your kind. You'll soon find out. You really want to head back out there? Can you imagine what we'll find? Alien despots hellbent on killing us. Deadly space viruses anomalies that could wipe us out in an instant. Let's go! Hold on to something! It's gonna be so much fun. Star Trek Beyond in Cinemas Friday. Then there's the villain, Idris Elba, plays Crawl. And I didn't actually know it was Idris Elba when I first watched this movie, but because he's covered in prosthetic until the very end. And he does suffer from a little bit of um, <laughs> villainitis in, in the sense of, like, you know, villains that don't seem as developed. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But then it all comes around at the end, and they do explain his character. And that's actually part of the mystery we just. We didn't know it was a mystery. It's revealed to us afterwards, you know? <laughs> For some reason, I thought of Odo when you said prosthetics, and I was Aww. like, I miss Odo. <laughs> oh, man. Damn it. Freaking Bajoran. What's her name in Odo? Crap. I can't remember her name. The Bajoran one. This is from Deep Space Nine, though. Yeah, I haven't watched enough of Deep Space Nine. I've smoked too much weed today. I can't. <laughs> You're on the 420 Friendly podcast. I know. So we're we all good do with it. enjoy our 420 times. Yeah, our doobie snacks. Ooh, yeah. Smoking <laughs> that redoofer. Her name is Kyoku or something. No, Kyoku. What is it? Yeah, but Jayla is a great character, and Kroll, I mean, Idris Elba's delivery is very aggressive. It's very fucking, you know, just filled with spite. And, you know, I kind of like that, right? Yeah. I mean, it makes yeah. him really compelling because when you find out that he's actually the original captain of the USS Franklin and he managed to use life-saving technology he found on the planet to extend his life for hundreds of years. I mean, you start to realize that, you know, maybe not everything about the Starfleet is infallible. You know? Freaking Kira. I knew it was Kira. Kira Norris. Kira Norris. Oh, okay. The one who was with the doctor, Bashir. Odo, <laughs> Odo was in love with that one, the Bajoran. Aww. She hated Cardassians. So much. And they had like a main character, Cardassian, who she was always like, get away from me. Like, it was so funny. It was weird. Was it Kim or Chloe? Uh, no, it was <laughs> Kendall. Duh. Oh, my God. No, no, Courtney's the hottest, though, for sure. By the way. Oh, dear Lord. She is. She's what? the one that didn't get know. any plastic surgery. She's had three kids and she looks can we fucking not glom, so good. Can we not glom all over yeah. our billionaire overlords? Courtney. I mean, <laughs> Courtney's so hot. Oh, my God. <laughs> but Crawl is an interesting character because when, when, once you get into the twist and, and you know, exactly who this character is, it, it all starts to make a lot of sense. And, and, it, and it is a very interesting subplot. And, and I like the whole Federation as a military organization versus a peaceful explorer, you know, as they've been for the past couple centuries or so, right? And Yeah. Or the past century or so. And Idris Elba's character, of course, was one of the last, like, military captains, and he was left behind by the Federation. So, you know, he kind of, you know, believes that the whole peace 
hurtful aspects of it made the Federation soft, and, and that's not where they need to be. And so he just wants to to bring back war. And that is an interesting motivation for a villain, you know? Yeah, he's just really a warmonger, honestly. Yeah. And he found the perfect biological weapon in order to just completely wipe out the Federation. I mean, had he been successful, Yorktown would have been just completely waylaid. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it would have been. I just realized that they don't really just explore anymore. Like, in these movies, they're pretty much, like, fighting a lot of people a lot of the time. Like, it's not so... They are more action-focused. Way more. I didn't yeah. even realize that till now. The, um, the newer movies are, and I think that that's a, a, a lot of... They were, like, testing that, I think. Yeah. Well, and, and it, it is, like I said, to make it more palatable to a casual yeah. audience. But I, I think I appreciate that because if you took, like, one of the original Star Trek episodes and just made it into movie length... I don't know if it would do as well in that format. It just, it probably would start to drag on. No, it, it would definitely have to have aspects of, uh, like, something different to where you would be like, oh, this sets this apart from what I'm used to, you know? Yeah. And have, like, an uh, explosion of, of action, whereas, you know, we're used to them just wandering around the ship and doing their weird shit, getting, you know, teleported back and forth, but, like... yeah. They wouldn't, you know, there was not a whole lot of action, obviously. I mean, enough to keep us watching, I guess. But this one is, I mean, these three movies are very much so action. Uh, they are. Geared toward. And what's weight. interesting is, like, like look at The Voyage Home in comparison. And that movie did, wasn't nearly as action focused, but the re the way it managed to work its narrative. It's like a predecessor a longer, to this. Well, I was going to say it used comedy primarily okay. as the tool by which to do that. And that worked a lot for that film. They seem to find their niche with every script. Yeah. Which they're so good at. I guess that's their superpower. Well, we all know the Star Trek movie rule, of course. It's like every They've every other Star Trek it. movie is bad, and the uh, the even the even numbered ones are good or something. Is that really a thing? In, it uh, is. It is a thing. Oh wow! Um, no way. I no. I, I personally I, I enjoy Wrath of Khan, Voyage Home, which are even numbered Star Treks. First Contact is good. Generation sucked. Yeah. Uh, Insurrection is good. I saw Nemesis in theaters, don't remember a lot of it, and I, and I like the, the Kelvin Universe films for sure. Honestly, I need to really kind of, you know, get a little more up to speed on a lot of the older Trek movies. Yeah. I mean, I They're think... They're so good. They, they really are. And They're way I better. I think that the one that we did last season, The Voyage Home, that was the first time I'd seen that in literally, like, decades. I know. Which one is the one where Data gets his... Like, he dies... That would be and, Nemesis. And his head's on the desk or something. And it starts singing a song. Yeah. Nemesis. That oh, shit, shit, I cried so hard. Oh. I was probably like. That was the one with Tom Hardy as a Picard I clone. was probably maybe 14 something years old. 15. Yeah. That sounds and about I, right. Cause, <sighs> yeah. I sobbed in. Because me and my mom were living with this dude named Bobby Blessing and Maiko. Who had written songs for like the Beatles and shit. <laughs> but wow. he was a super interesting guy. And he had. Shelves and shelves of movies, VHS movies, and I didn't like movies growing up. I still don't because they're just too long and I can't pay attention. But for like <laughs> three weeks, all I did was sit and watch these VHSs, and he had like five rows of Star Trek movies, and I'm just like, yay! And I that was the one movie that stuck out like significantly for me for some reason because I liked Data a lot, and then him dying. That just that whole that whole end scene of that. It was such a weird buildup for me that it like it really cemented um, actually a lot of like my my Star Trek, like just being loyal to it was like from those movies, just sitting by myself crying, you know, being so enthralled by this universe. And I don't know, Data, he gets me. He just yeah. gets my little heart, man. Was, you know, he's the most really human sad. of them all. I was really sad about Data dying. I remember in, in theaters when I saw that. The most human. Because I, I loved the character, and I, I was already, like, a Trek fan when, when that came out. And and so, like, this was the first, like, you know, Star Trek I was going to see on the big screen. And, and I remember being affected by Data's death. That bothered me. But In that movie? Yeah, in that movie. You saw that in theaters? Yeah. Nemesis I was in theaters. I, remember. I saw it on a VHS. Nice. <laughs> the other Star Trek movies I watched on VHS, but that one. I can't one... imagine that in theaters. I would have been, like, a mess. 
I can honestly say I've never seen a Star Trek movie in theaters. Oh, I watched all three of these in theaters. Yeah, I saw this one in theaters, uh, particularly, which I love this Jayla. She's a cool character. She's sexy. Yeah, and in addition to the new characters, obviously, we've already mentioned how, how the old characters are portrayed well, but I like how they're given a little bit more room to shine here and be their own characters. They were very much more supporting cast in, in the previous two films, and in, and in this movie, I, I feel like Justin Lin and Simon Pegg really, uh, and the other co-writer, really managed to allow each character to breathe. And yeah. You even get interactions between, you know, McCoy and Spock that are just priceless. Instead of it just being a Vulcan and a human, you know, yeah. very cliche to their race and like have a very particular set of characteristics and that'd be about it. Like, yeah. That was, you know, getting kind of old. And apparently Carl Urban wasn't down to continue with the franchise because I think in the other two films, he felt like his character wasn't fully utilized. And I kind of agree there. I mean, he he honestly steals the spotlight whenever he's on screen, but he, he was a little underutilized in, in the previous two films, but he agreed to, you know, jump on this film and it looks like his character is present a lot more and and really like i said gets a chance to shine and and simon Pegg's own character of course you know he, he allows yeah. scotty to have his own subplot and well that can ruin that'll make or break a whole plot a whole story a whole thing like characters are the meat of it you know and like when you don't utilize the character it just kind of ruins it like for instance harley quinn has yeah. never been utilized correctly Therefore, you know, she's just not a standout character, which is so sad because she's such a good. So, you know, if all these beautiful characters, you know, continue to just be this stagnant, like little pool of what they were, it was it was going to that they would have probably not been successful at all anymore. Like they had to do the this where they allowed them to breathe. And I'm glad they did because it was getting really old. Like, yeah. the progression of their characters would take, like, a whole season. And it's just like, man, they changed, like, two times. And it's like... We get a lot of that truncated in, yeah. in these films. And then we get a lot more... Yeah, and, 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 and the characters have a lot more room, and in particular in this third film, to stand out and be themselves. And, and I really appreciate that. Yeah, what I really appreciate is how they really kind of put, like, Chekhov a little more into the forefront. They put Sulu into the forefront. I mean, this is, like, the umpteenth time that he's taken the captain chair. Yeah. yeah. You know, in this in these three movies. And also, I mean, you get that dynamic between Jayla and Scotty. I mean, Scotty is the first one to actually encounter Jayla. Right. And it sets pretty much that whole character dynamic for the rest of the movie, and it really actually sets up Jayla's character perfectly. It does, yeah, and he introduces himself as an engineer, and she introduces herself as someone who fixes things like an engineer. What a beautiful duo. I know. They have uh, great chemistry. A lot of the actors have great chemistry. By the way, evidently this script went through an entire rewrite. Really? When, when, when Simon Pegg jumped on board, he pr they pretty much rewrote the <laughs> entire thing from the beginning. Oh, man. Well, what do you think it was going to be before he got? I wonder. I'm sure he was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Yo, like, this yeah. is not Star Trek. Yeah. Like, I can't even imagine doing that, like being that person to come in and be like with the high expectations because you know what it is mm. and sit down and be like, really? Like, this is not, you know, and I have to just root it up and try to build a whole new freaking universe like how i don't know how they've done that every time and just not failed like it, it's just like whatever here it is and it just is i think the re the reason they've done so well at this point is because of the amount of content they've put out yeah like that has been such a huge milestone in keeping me watching it really or you know just the amount of like stuff to go back to is very nice you know it, it really like put it I mean, for at least Star Wars, comparison-wise, I, I just never thought it, it had any comparison. But, you know, I'm just a bitter person, and I'll just <laughs> hate the thing that is not what I like, you know? But I, ho I don't know. I want to give Star Wars a chance at some point, but it just doesn't... It's worth it to at least watch the original <sighs> trilogy. I mean... You yeah. Know. Like, I was half-assed watching Star Wars earlier, but... <laughs> Which one? I don't know what they were doing. I can't remember. <sighs> they, were doing, they were doing the lightsaber shit, and I don't know. 
Nothing, nothing that stuck out again. It just like I can't retain fucking well, Star Wars. She was and watching the prequels. <laughs> I just blurred out. I'm just like, nope. No. I I love both series, but I know there's a lot of people that wow. you know wow. they like one of them, and and <clears throat> they're so very different. I mean, I just see them as two completely different things that I don't, I guess, yeah. feel the need to compare. But by the way, another interesting thing I found out about this movie and doing a little bit of my research, evidently one of the biggest callbacks in this movie, of course, to the films of the original series was the whole Enterprise being destroyed and then they're rebuilding, you know, they're building the Enterprise A at the end. And, and then that's a reference back to Wrath of Khan through the voyage home. But in any case, apparently uh, Simon Pegg didn't actually want to do that. He thought it would be just too much of a callback and, and apparently that was at Justin Lin's insistence that the Enterprise gets destroyed. And I actually think that was a better choice. You know, with that whole Enterprise being destroyed, you know, in, in, in the first act of the film, and you throw these characters on this abandoned planet. And, and so it's like taking beloved Star Trek characters and throwing them into this new adventure. And, and maybe that's the other thing that made, made this a counterpart for The Voyage Home for me and uh, why I wanted to do this the next season is that that whole, like, the Enterprise crew stuck somewhere without the Enterprise. Yeah, it yeah. is kind of similar in that respect. Well, I mean, think of Voyager. They get thrown to wherever the hell, but it's so far away that by the time they were to get back, they would be dead. Yeah. So, like, their whole the whole series is just them trying to get home. And they, I don't know if they do or not. I don't remember if I finished it, but... Yeah, I can't recall well, either. I, I think it's but it's such a, it was a fucked up concept. It was like... Yeah. It kind of made a whole, like, it was just, a, I was depressed. I'm like, this is horrible. But it was cool because they had uh, some of the, um, what are the rebel crew called? The rebel people against Ooh. the Federation. Um, Shit, I don't the, know. There's um, the Klingons, the Romulans. The... No, it's like the Maquis. Okay. The Maquis. Oh, okay. They're the, yeah, they're the yeah. rebel group that go against the Federation, essentially. Well, there was like five Maquis on the ship when Voyager got thrown by Q to like Omega or something. And it was just, it was so far away that there were, you know, they had to just try to get back. So the Maquis ended up becoming part of the crew. And this, this one Maquis named Chakotay ended up becoming like her vice, like the one below her, below mm -hmm. the captain. And he became one of the best crew members on in the Federation. Yeah, yeah. He I mean was so loyal. It was insane, and it was it was really cool watching those characters progress. Like, there was a chick who was a Klingon who was in the Maquis who became the engineer, and she was one of the best engineers they ever had. Yeah. You know, and it, it was cool as hell to see, like, that happen. But Janeway, I just didn't like, I don't know. Janeway was fine, but Seven of Nine... Oh yeah, seven that rhymed. Nine. Yeah, seven mm -hmm. nine was amazing. I wish she would just come back every every movie and just be like, "What's up?" <laughs> Isn't she supposed to show up in Picard She's season so two hot. or something? Yeah, she is. Actually. I think I heard something about that. I, I, I've seen it in the trailer for the second season. Badass. Yeah, Man. she she's back. That is cool. But yeah, I mean, looking into the future, of course, I know after this movie, there was a fourth movie planned. Um, and evidently Tarantino was oh, going to direct it. Oh, shit. Yeah. And, and they were going to go ahead and move on, I think, without That's Anton Yelchin. weird. They, I believe they, they decided they weren't going to recast him, but they were going to move ahead. Oh, my God. Tarantino's no longer attached to the project. Aww. And it it's, was kind of stuck in almost a <laughs> development hell. I believe as of right now, there is another Star Trek movie planned or another few movies planned, but the next one to come out, it, it's not clear whether it's going to be a continuation of this series or, I mean, I think I it would be, not. I think it would be cool to do uh, a, a reboot on the next generation, do the Kelvin or, universe version of the next generation. And or just do something completely different, like a whole new, like interpretation with new characters. That'd be interesting at least. But I mean, also, they can do anything. They can do anything. They have endless, like, remake potential, plus endless, like, re like just brand new shit to make. And I say let's do James McAvoy as Picard if, if, if they do end up doing a, uh, Ooh, we should a do Next a, Generation. That would be perfect. We should do a cast thing, you know, like with the new Borderlands movie. Yeah. I sat and was casting it myself, and I don't like the cast they have for you it. You don't? No. But Kate Blanchett. No. No? No. Come on. No. Goddess of death. No. Hell As yeah. Lilith? No. <laughs> it needed to be a hot-ass redhead, man. Okay. Oh, man. And Roland is fucking, as Kevin, Kevin, Kevin Hart? Hart. 
<laughs> Kevin what Hart. The hell? I feel like they just movie put really? Kevin yes, Hart Kevin Hart for the sake rolling. of being Kevin Hart in the Borderlands movie. Wow, what the fuck? I don't know how I feel about Tiny that. Tina. That girl they cast as Tiny Tina looks perfect. She that girl there, she has, has a spinoff coming out actually. That girl uh, looked perfect for there, it. There's a game being uh, released, Tiny Tina's Wonderland or something. Yeah, uh, they announced it at uh-huh. E3. And yeah, the guy for Craig, the psycho, good. By the way, check out our coverage of E3. Collateral Jack Gaming did Black. an episode. Jack Black is Claptrap. Jack Black? Hell yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. That's amazing. I know. Okay, that's a cool I choice. I know. I know. But yeah, you heard it here first, folks. Uh, James, James McAvoy, because he already has played a younger Patrick Stewart in the X-Men series. Ooh. Yeah, exactly. So he, we know he can do it. And he, he, has, he has the range for it. I mean... Just and, a Frenchman. Yeah, I mean, it's just such a classic character that, I mean, there's just nobody else that I can think of who could really do Picard justice. Really. I know. He's so old now. I know. Every time I see him, I'm just like, <laughs> oh, my God. You probably I, feel I, like I'm powdery. glad they brought him back for Star Trek Picard. It, you know, that, that, but maybe the last time we I see that character. I don't want him to die. Interestingly man. enough, he did a movie with Anton Yelchin. Actually, really? It's called Green Room. Oh. It's directed by Jeremy Saulnier. And it's about a punk band that ends up at a neo-Nazi punk club, and they get into some trouble. And oh, my. Yeah, the, not, the neo-Nazis decide to fight back. And I wonder what made yeah. him choose that. He's like, we're doing that. I'm going to do that. because they play, they play Nazi punks. Fuck I'm going to be that role. Fuck yeah. <laughs> but fuck this. Fuck Nazis. I mean, what, what do you guys think? What, what, where could we go with another Star Trek film, or what, what would you like to Anywhere see? Anywhere. Beyond. 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 <laughs> Beautiful. Honestly, I'm really kind of going to go against the grain here. I like the path they were taking with these movies. I think that it was faithful to the original while also, you know, just kind of creating its own little, you know, vibe and its own little niche in, yeah. this, in the Star Trek, you know, canon. And actually, you know, tying it to the previous canon of all the original movies, the way that they did was, I wouldn't say brilliant. It was just, like I said, a great way to insulate the series from, you know, a lot of fan backlash. Yeah, to reboot it, but without fully rebooting it. It's it's still continuity-wise yeah. is cohesive. And, and I really like that. And I'd love to see these versions of these characters come back. I really would. I almost wish they could have... Well, I know this is dumb, sort of. But, like, it would have been kind of cool if they could have made, like, a show off of these movies... But obviously not with the same cast, because I don't think that these people would sign up for a show. Well, no, in Discovery, they recast Spock. But they could somehow do it to where they, like, put them, you know, in a situation where they get warped into some kind of weird time zone or some kind of weird thing where they look different or, like, it's a different, like, dimension or something. And they could recast, like, a show with the same characters, but just, like have them be different because they're in a different dimension. And so it kind of yeah. makes sense. So it's not so like, what the hell, you know? Yeah, yeah I, I see what you mean. Yeah, that could. I mean, I thought that could be kind of cool just to keep, keep this story going without having to keep producing movies, you know? Or because do another animated series. Yeah. I'm, that I'm, would be pretty cool. I'm surprised nobody has brought up the uh, Star Trek animated series that came out. What, what's it called? It's uh, I haven't heard of that. Star Trek the Animated Series. That's what it's known as. Oh, my goodness. No, it's a Star Trek Lower Decks or something like oh, that. Oh, I'm not talking about that. I was talking oh, about the original okay. the yeah. animated series, oh, which is yeah, yeah, years the four and five series. of the five-year mission. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I mean, that lower deck series is kind of Star Trek's take on the like adult animation, very much like what's that one that is a parody of Star Trek that's really popular? Oh shit! Um, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Literally, the <laughs> I, only I think... thing have you all seen the Black Mirror episode? Yes. That, it, that is yeah with the guy who works at the animation place and he has like DNA. Of people, and he goes home and goes into that program and yeah. like and tortures like them Star in that Trek. ship, and they all Holy look, shit. it looks like Star Trek. But he goes in there and he's just like, you know, listen to me. And he like makes this one guy crawl around and he uses him as like an ottoman. And like at one point, this chick was new in the system because he, she had just started working there and she rejected him kind of. So he got a napkin and took her, took it home, put her in the system, and she was trying to get out, freaking out, and they're all like, you can't leave, like all the people that were stuck in there. Oh but it God, looked like what? Star Trek. They were all dressed like it. It was, it was all the same thing. It was meant to evoke yeah. that. 
And, and dude, he ended <laughs> up like covering her whole face with skin and was like making her stuff. It was crazy. We talked about Black Mirror, actually. We did the Bandersnatch. The Bandersnatch episode that was a... Uh, I didn't like Bandersnatch. I didn't expect that at all, though. For, I, in that Black Mirror, I was like, this is some crazy shit. Yeah, if, if you go back to our episode, I did not particularly like that and show. Speaking <laughs> of Star Trek parodies, I mean, we're going to talk about Star Trek parodies. Galaxy Quest has to come up, and yeah, I almost feel like yeah. that's a movie we need to do future we have to do galaxy quest are you kidding me that's by grab thaw's hammer you <laughs> shall be avenged that's great <laughs> but i guess we'll sort of wrap things up from here first off uh what were your final thoughts on star trek beyond abigail i think it's a good you know again i think they were literally barely push like pushing it past where it was just becoming unrecognizable and just becoming like a regurgitation of what Star Trek should be, but, you know, in the future, which I want, but it's so hard. I don't know why we're so specific. It's kind of annoying how specific we've become. We're spoiled, but I just, I just want to see them do new things at this point. I think it's cool. Uh, I like the new characters. I like who they have cast. I wouldn't mind if they recast or I really wouldn't mind what they did at this point. Like, I'm just happy to see them creating and, I, honestly, the the more the merrier. If I were them, I'd be just pumping out all kinds of crazy shit, <laughs> like all kinds of crazy Star Trek stories, you know? But I like it. I thought it was really good. It's way better than the Discovery stuff. Yeah. And what way do you more, think, Bo? Way more swallowable. What do I think? Oh, like I said, I, I, I like these movies. At first, they didn't really appeal to me all that much, but, I mean, when I actually watched the first of the trilogy and I saw, you know, what they were really going for, what J.J. Abrams was going for there, it kind of grew on me. And then finally, with this movie, like I said, everything just kind of came together. Yeah. You know? They're I good mean, at that. Yeah, the cast became more cohesive. The writing really started to put a lot of the other characters at the forefront that we hadn't really seen interact before. I like the characterization of all of the characters. The dedication, I mean, even. Yeah, just the dedication to just bringing those characters back to life, but still kind of making them all their own. Yeah. And, and also, the writing choices were pretty decent. Like like I said earlier, I think making Uhuru and uh, Spock a couple, yeah. that's, that's inspired. The right writing there. is what like keeps this thing alive, I think. Yeah, definitely. And I think that it's just got a, a lot of good entertainment value. And some of the cinematography is, you know, pretty, you know, lens flary, you know. Yeah. I mean, that that's a huge thing with J.J. Abrams is he loves his lens flares. It can be a little annoying sometimes. Yeah. But honestly, I say that these are quality movies and Star Trek Beyond is definitely the best of the entire lot of them so yeah check them out don't expect the greatest movies but they really do evoke the charm and the actual feel of the original series yeah. while making it all its own so yeah. that's, they, that's they what have I'm so give much it. room now to do whatever yeah. they want and be creative and that would be so exciting and for a whole any other director. timeline to work in yeah exactly like that's so. a director's dream star trek i for me i'd be like i'm so stoked because there's so much to work with you know yeah 100 percent I think, as a whole, the Star Trek Kelvin Universe films are great entry points for anyone that kind of wants to get into Star Trek, but maybe, yeah. you know, it uh, it's not something that you want to just immediately jump into the yeah. format of, you know, kind of the older episodes. This is, like I said, a lot easier to watch for a more casual. But even, you know, Star Trek fans, especially fans of the original series, mm -hmm. I think will appreciate this. I mean, my parents are both Trekkies and they loved it. Some purists are probably not going to be happy with the direction of it being a little bit more mm -hmm. action oriented. And, and but again, I think that that's just what makes these movies translate better on the big screen. Yeah. And if you want to get into the world of Star Trek, like I said, we, they are still doing series Discovery, Picard, you know, and, and you can always go back and rewatch what's already been out. So it's but, an acquired taste for sure. Yeah, it, it's a palette that has to be built on for years and years and years. I think. But if I was jumping in right now, like with this stuff, I don't think I would like it as, you know, I don't know. Just having that precursor with all like 
it's almost like having a family member that yeah. you know it just you have so much time with it and then it, you've seen all the whole universe unfold and it's so complex and deep that you feel like you were there so it's just that's important for for the gumption of like these films to like actually relate to them i think otherwise these just look like star trek you know it's just like oh this is star trek it's not it, like oh this is star trek this is the world you know that i know you know, and I'm watching it progress still. That's what I like is that they continue to progress and they don't forget about themselves, you know? Yeah. They're very thoughtful. Yeah, there's a lot of thought put into this. And there's a lot and of I intelligence that. behind the writing. And, and that's what I liked about Star Trek Beyond. I agree. I think out of the out of the trilogy of the of the reboot films, it's the best. And it, I, I probably would work as a standalone film, but I, I do recommend checking, you know, the first two out to just at least give yourself a grounding, especially the first movie, because yeah. it, it helps set up what this universe is and how it relates to the original timeline. But I guess that's all we'll have to say about it for now. If you guys enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or feedback on your platform of choice. Where are we going next with Collateral Cinema, Bo? We are going into our season finale, and the season finale is going to be the Seth Rogen and Jess Franco North Korea movie, The Interview. The Interview. Yeah. Oh, the, the, my other choice this season. I've never seen it. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun, I, need to I see think. It. James Franco and Seth Rogen kind of pretty pretty much at their best and, and unfortunately Aww. we're not going to see any more of that because of Aww. yeah we'll we'll get more in, we'll get a little more into that whenever we do the episode the it's same, an unfortunate same. circumstance but it is but yeah I, i'm super excited to talk about it and do, do you do you want to plug your shit abby oh uh well i just have like a soundcloud uh which is rin and that's r-i-n but i just make music and stuff so yeah that's about it i mean you're on SoundCloud, I right? I need to upload more, yeah. Which, do you have any uh, socials? Uh, I mean, just Abigail Reeves on Facebook or Instagram is... I can't even remember what my name is on Instagram. <laughs> I think it's like something. Oh, my mom's calling. Great. It's actually oh, a Star Trek reference, probably. Yeah, probably so. It's like, yeah, always something like that. <laughs> but I, you know me, I don't get on nothing. But I just make a lot of music, really, so... Hell yeah. Right on. And if you enjoy Collateral Cinema and you also like video games, check out Collateral Gaming. Uh, we just recorded our episode on Dead Space and Dead Space Ooh. 2. So we did kind of a two-parter there. We're going to be talking about Sonic 06 as our bad game review of the season. And uh, we're also going to be covering Skyward Sword HD because it's a new Zelda oh. game that's coming out. So, well, not a new. It's a remake but or remaster, I should say. But we're going to cover it because it's Zelda. And then after that, we're getting into our own season finale on the Quantic Dream games, Beyond Two Souls and Ooh. Heavy Rain. Nice. I love those games. Yeah. <laughs> I know them like the back of my hand. So we should have everything out by August. I think Collateral Cinema's wrapping up in July. So, And we'll be starting up again season five of Collateral Cinema, season four of Collateral Gaming in October. Oh, yeah. That's going to be great. We'll announce what we're starting with next episode. Yeah. We Happy will. 4th of July, everybody. It is 12.42, so it's, ha it's 4th of July. It's so 4th happy. Of July. Yeah, happy yeah. Leave out, you, leave out your milk and cookies for Captain America. He'll it's my mom's your... birthday. Hey, that's cool. Aww. Yeah. Happy, that's right. Happy birthday, Teresa. Oh, my name my name is Betalocks on Instagram. Oh, okay. I was going to say that, but I didn't know if that was a personal profile. <laughs> I, knew, I was going to say it, too, but I was like, I don't want to be wrong. You know? yeah. But, yeah, that's... So happy right birthday, Mom. Happy birthday, America. Thank you for listening, guys. And you can find Collateral Cinema on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and wherever else you get your podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube and iHeartRadio. And check out our Patreon. Yes, check out our Patreon. Our tiers start at $1. You don't have to give us a lot. Just even just $1 a month is fine or per episode. And we do movie commentaries. And very soon during the off season, we're going to figure out some new content to put on there other than that. So, And coming yeah. soon, Apple Podcast Premium Subscriptions. Because we're going to be throwing some of our patron content onto there as well as soon as the Collateral Cinema account is out of account recovery. <laughs> it, it is out of account recovery. Did you reset your password? Recovery. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah I, got, I got it saved in my phone. I can bring it up on my password list. Nice. So. Fuck yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah. Problem solved. Good Hell deal. Yeah. Well, we're back into the account. So 
Stay tuned for yeah. that, guys. That being said, I'm Ashley Chancellor. I'm Bo Maddox. And I'm Abigail Reeves. This is Collateral Cinema, and we are out. Bye. Live long and prosper, people. Yes. Cinema is a collateral media podcast. All music and movie clips are owned by the respective creators and are used for educational purposes only. Please don't sue us. We're poor.